I got to hear it twice this morning, so eat your hearts out. Do you ever wish that Jesus would just show up in some dazzling display and say, ta-da, <laughs> wiping out all doubts, answering all questions, clearly the Savior of the world, just get on board? Wouldn't we want to celebrate? Don't we celebrate when we win? The Eagles won last week. They got a parade and confetti. Who doesn't want to parade when you win? I looked at this passage today, and I read some articles about preaching the transfiguration. And they all kind of concluded with the same comment when it comes to explaining it. Good luck. Here is this mysterious, mystical moment on a mountain, and it's exactly what was asked for in the previous chapter by the self-righteous. Show us some sign, Jesus. Give us a ta-da moment so that we know, so there's no doubt. But Jesus' response to them is, no, you don't get one. And then here... There are a select few who are chosen for a hike up the mountain for this holy ta-da moment. I racked my pitiful brain figuring out how to explain this when it finally dawned on me there's another way. I recall a few years ago being asked to do a funeral for a man. I didn't know him, so I talked with his daughter, and she explained that he was an artist. And so I thought, oh, good, I'll have something to work with. And I asked her about his favorite painting. And she thought for a moment, his favorite painting was a pea pod. I racked my brain trying to figure out what that symbolized. (laughs) And finally, I called my daughter, who is an artist. I know we help pay for art school. And I explained my dilemma and the need to know what this peepod symbolized. And I heard that sigh at the other end of the line that only an adult child can give their doddering father. It doesn't symbolize anything, Dad, she said. The artist is just taking this simple peepod and holding it out. Do you see it? Do you see it in its color? Do you see how the color even changes as the light changes? Do you see every line in it? Do you see how magnificent it is? And it's just so small and so simple. Do you see it? Here is the beauty of God shining through the humanity of Jesus. And the description is just pure breathtaking. It's beauty. Do we see it? In my hospice work, I've had a number of people who have crossed over that line, that clinical line between death and life, and then been resuscitated in it, asking them what that was like. 
have heard so many times about being ushered into this light that's just brilliant and warm and beautiful. And finally, it occurred to me to ask some more questions. You said it was brilliant. Did you have to squint? Uh, No. Answering almost like that was a dumb question. No, there was no squinting. It was just amazingly comfortable and peaceful and beautiful. And the experience of Jesus on the mountain, this dazzling brightness. And I hold those two things together, not quite sure how they fit together, but intuitively feeling that maybe they do. And I hold them in a place in my mind, a place that's labeled, huh. You see, I want to understand I want to disassemble it and look at all the parts and know how to put it back together. I don't want to stand mute before it. But maybe standing mute is the posture I need. And then, two of Israel's Hall of Famers are suddenly there, Moses and Elijah, those who are reputed to have been swept up to heaven without going through death. And those who have shaped the identity of Israel, giving them a voice, giving them an understanding of God and what they're doing in this world. And they're just chatting with Jesus. Oh, but for the disciples, this is two ghosts and Jesus who doesn't look like he did when we started. And they were afraid. And they did not know what to say. But that does not keep them from talking. (laughs) When we don't know what to say, and we talk anyway, it's a good bet it's not going to come out very well. Kate Bowler is a professor at Duke, and she lives with an incurable cancer diagnosis. And she wrote her memoir. It's entitled, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. Zing. Interviewed by Time Magazine, she, would, she was asked, did Christianity fail you? And she replied, sometimes it felt like that, in part because of the stuff people said, using the Christian faith to be incredibly trite. When we don't know what to say, That might be a clue. Peter doesn't know what to say, and he's scared, but he talks anyway. He says, it's good to be here. He sounds like the MC at an awards banquet. Let's build three booths, three tabernacles, three of those things that that house the holy so we can visit the holy when we want to, and we can walk away when we want to. He has just seen the beauty of God. And his first words are this effort to control, to contain, to take what is so scary and yet so magnificent and put it in a box.
but a cloud engulfs them, this symbol of confusion. This past summer, we got to go to Pikes Peak, 14,000 feet plus. Clouds are below you. I like standing on firm earth at 14,000 feet. And you could just see forever. And you can watch the clouds come into the mountain. And they're big and they're fluffy. And you don't get a sense of how fast they're coming until they smash into the side of the mountain and shoot right up into your face and over you. And what you could see, now you can't see. A cloud covered them. But then there's a voice. And it really is up to your imagination and to mine what the voice sounded like. I'm guessing a lot of us like a resonant Morgan Freeman. (laughs) I like the voice of a young woman, a friend of mine. This week I sat in her office as we gathered materials to take to a family. And she had a baby a couple of months ago. And I asked about the baby, and she kind of bubbled to the top. Have any pictures? I already knew the answer to that. (laughs) She turned around a picture on her desk and showed me this, this beautiful baby, all swaddled. And before I could say, what a beautiful baby, she said, isn't she beautiful? Isn't she just so beautiful? I just love her so much. I hear the voice of God. This is my beautiful one. The one I love the most. And then there is this one line, this one word. Listen to him. Listen to him. They're invited to respond to this beautiful, scary, confusing event by being quiet and by listening. They're asked to step over a threshold in their understanding and in their faith. This is not the God that they have known, not the God who hates the people they hate, not the God who passes harsh judgment on people they don't understand. No, this is a God who is beautiful. And this is a God who delights. This is a mind-blowing God. Step over. Step over in your understanding into more. And do it by listening. And then it's over. It's over. And on the way down from the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anybody. What? Wait a minute. This has been fantastic. Who doesn't want a parade? Just a little while ago, those, those religious snots were telling us to show them something. Well, we got something to show them. This is time to talk smack with the Pharisees, get in their faces. No. No, it's not. No victory celebration, no parade, no confetti. Why? Fortunately, Mark's gospel didn't stop with the end of our reading today. They go down the mountain. 
and they walk straight into a village where there's an argument going on, and they're arguing about a child with seizures. And the anger of Jesus flashes. You faithless generation. For Jesus, this boy is not a topic for debate. He is a child. But he quickly moves into conversation with the boy's father, learning how this has affected the child, how long this has been going on all of his life. The seizures that throw him to the ground, flopping and foaming, the seizures that throw him into fire. And it's not just the boy, not just the boy who has been pained. It's a whole family, siblings, parents, wondering when the next one will come, wondering if they can make it and survive it. It's an illness that has affected every member of this family, including a father who can only confess his impotence and his broken hope for pity. And Jesus heals him. Oh, at first it looks like he's dead. But Jesus takes him by the hand and raises him up. It's a very tender gesture. And it simply says, he entered their home. Tiptoe with me up to the door and peek in. You think there's a celebration going on? Oh, yes. Do you think there's laughter? Do you think they're breaking out the best food? Do you think there's music? I think so. So, no parade for the mountaintop stuff. But here, in the healing of a child who didn't count for much in that world, and counted for less because he was sick. Here, he goes into it. And a question hangs over this. You saw the beauty of God shining through on the mountain. Can you see the beauty of God in the suffering of this child and this family? Can we take the beauty of God that's up here and see it in the brokenness of the world here? It's wonderful to see God on the mountain. I love the mountains. I love the hallelujah chorus. I need those moments of inspiration. But they also come with a calling to come back down the mountain and go into the suffering of the world. Years ago, when I first started my hospice work, I had this patient, one of my all-time favorites. Don't tell him at work. I'm not supposed to have favorites. She told me her mother had died of the same cancer that she had, as had her grandmother and her aunt and her sister the same day that she was diagnosed. 
And she told me she did not want to do what they'd done. She did not want to spend her last months or days at appointments and treatments that didn't work. And so I asked her, what do you want to do? She paused just for a moment and she said, I want to take every member of my family and I'm going to hold their faces right here. And I want to memorize every fleck of color in their eyes and every crease in their skin and every freckle. That's what I want. Can you imagine being her son right here? Her husband right here. On the mountaintop, there is this voice that says, this is my son. This is the one I love. But no parade. And down in the valley, there is this Jesus who holds this little boy like this and loves him like the voice in the cloud has loved him. My hope, my faith for all of us is that we know those moments when the hands of God are on our faces, on our hearts, and we know beyond the shadow of doubt that we are loved. And that we hear the calling to enter the suffering of this world and look for the divine and the beauty of God there. Amen. We sing a hymn of response. We invite you to make your decisions this day as we stand together to sing, please.